Betsy and Thomas here for the American Intelligence Media. Today, Thomas, I want to take you out of the geopolitical realm, and I want to go into space. You ready to go with me? Oh, I'm out in space already. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, before we start, because I know this is going to be quite a controversial topic, I want to read to you the Wikipedia because Wikipedia is everything, right? Oh, Description yes. of our discussion. And we're going to talk about Nibiru and Planet X today. So here is what Wikipedia has to say about this. It says, quote, The Nibiru Cataclysm is a supposed disastrous encounter between the Earth and a large planetary object, which certain groups believe will take place in the early 21st century. Believers in this doomsday event usually refer to this object as Planet X or Nibiru. The idea that a planet-sized object will collide with or closely pass by Earth in the near future is not supported by any scientific evidence and has been rejected by astronomers and planetary scientists as pseudoscience and an internet hoax. So if it's an internet hoax, why in the heck are we talking about it? <laughs> Because you posted a NASA article that showed that for the first time, a 400-meter-wide uh, planetary object, they're calling it a small planet instead of an asteroid, because had it hit the Earth, it would have pretty much destroyed the Earth. And they didn't see it coming because it was coming from an oblique angle from interstellar space outside of our own solar system. First time in history this has ever happened. The uh, Hawaii Observatory um, saw it first, somewhat by accident, as they are always looking for near-Earth objects to make sure that we at least have a warning before they hit us. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's probably not that good of a thing to laugh about, total annihilation of the Earth. But you know, the Yucatan uh, uh, asteroid that hit basically ended the dinosaurs. This is well known. So if we have a big asteroid or piece of a planet, planetoid, or even a comet that is still large enough hit the Earth, it's a very big deal. So they keep an eye on it. So they saw it coming, but only after it had already uh, penetrated our solar system from, if you imagine our solar system uh, as a plate, which it is not. But if you imagine that coming from above at a complete 90 degree angle, completely from an obtuse place in the stars, basically in between Lyra and the Pleiades, this huge planetoid or chunk of a planet came from a part of space which would say that there are planets out there. It's proof that there's other planets. Well, about no. a year ago, there was so much on the internet about Nibiru and Planet X. In fact, if you wrote an article or you did a video on it, oh my goodness, you'd get tons of hits. And it was still kind of an edgy thing. So we let it go because we didn't see anything more about it. But then again, here it is. So are you telling me, Thomas, that while we weren't looking, it's come and gone? Well, as you know, Betsy, I wrote an article about this some time ago, and I was kind of making fun, but I was also showing the scientific reality and some beliefs of the past, which incidentally have now become beliefs of the present. And so, in fact, what we were pointing at has come to pass. And so one could, I'm going to try to make this picture for you, but don't um, hang up if you're a Nibiru fan, just because I'm going to point out some things at the first that may debunk some of the images you've seen. But in the end, I'm going to point out that scientists now say where, and they speculate, they're spe not speculation, they now know because of this planetoid that we are part of a star cluster that no one really talks about much. But first, when you see those pictures of Nibiru, what do you always see? There's a sun setting, and on one side or the other, you see what seems to be a planetoid body. And so people say, look, it's right here. We can see it. That is a straight, well, there's two strange phenomena that can happen when the sun is setting like that, where it mimics itself on either side or on both sides. And also, if the moon, which when the moon is new, it comes very close and passes the sun, sometimes in front of the sun, and of course, that's an eclipse. But when the uh, declination is higher or lower, sometimes you can see it actually, in a very rare uh, instance, you can see the moon and the sun setting together or rising together, and people have said this is Nibiru. Now, let's go to Stitchin in his book, The 10th Planet and the, uh, uh, Anun uh, what are they called? Uh, Anu Anunnaki, 
uh, and these people who supposedly inhabit this planet, that the planet comes back every 26,000 years. Why would anybody say that? Because the Mayans said it. The Mayan long calendar, well, actually the Mayan calendar, not the long calendar, but the Mayan calendar said that every 26,000 years, this planet comes back and comes near the earth and can cause cataclysmic events. Well, it is also found in numerous other cultures. So why is it that we hear that every 26,000 years something happens that is so extraordinary that it can cause cataclysms? Now, there are some silly ideas that have been tacked onto this. For instance, that the uh, Anunnaki want to come here, they came in the past, to turn all of human beings, well, actually to breed human beings until we covered the planet so we could dig up the gold because they're coming back for the gold. Okay, these are some somewhat silly notions, one might think, but if you look at what that might mean in terms of imagery and mythology, and you realize that gold is really the representation of the sun, and gold is also a representation of the refined human being and the light from the sun that enters us, and that is gold. Can you say that every 26,000 years, some of our older brothers and sisters come back into this space and uh, encounter the earth again to see if we've evolved? That's what the story is about. Well, now here is the sad reality for those who think it's a conspiracy theory. In the 1800s, it was a commonly accepted fact. Go ahead, Google it. Go to Wikipedia. You'll see that what I'm saying, the Wikipedia world. Well, okay. though they, they will tell you, if you specifically ask about certain things, they will tell you. For instance, you can uh, Google uh, um, Velikovsky. Velikovsky was confused, and he was talking, he was looking into ancient history, Mayan, Toltec, all, all different mythologies, and he said that there was a cometary planet that was near the Earth as the Earth was finishing its uh, development and coming into hard, hard material form. And this cometary planet came near the Earth and caused all kinds of disturbances and in fact caused some very good things and some very bad things. Well, Velikovsky was a bit confused because when he was looking at the record, he confused Mercury with Venus. And in fact, Venus was cometary in a very ancient stage. So when the ancient mythology is talking about that, they're talking about the creation myth. And so this planetary body that's cometary that comes out of nowhere, and then really it's Venus finally finding its exact orbit, and it came by the Earth, and yes, it did have uh, an influence on the Earth in those very, very ancient times. So when you look at the ancient, super ancient records that are talking about creation myths, you can actually say, yes, there was a planet. It was Venus. But the Earth was cometary partially at that time too. All the planetoids were. So that's one thing, but if we want to talk about in the 1800s the fact that scientists looked at the sky and they said that our sun was the furthest away, but it was still part of the sun of the stars that were part of the constellation or the star cluster Pleiades, which generally people will say are seven sisters. There's actually many stars there, and someone with good eyes can see nine stars there, and also if you look into these ancient documents, they say that we came from the Pleiades and that the Pleiadeans are our older brothers and sisters who are coming to teach us when the time comes. But that doesn't come except every 26,000 years. Now, you might say, okay, what is this? What is this? What is this? This nonsense. It is not nonsense. The earth and its procession of the equinox takes uh, 25,920 or 60, depending upon how you want to look at it, 25,920, let's call it, years to go backwards in the zodiac as it processes, it goes backwards. That's just what happens. And the mark of any ancient culture was to be able to say that they noticed that, that the, uh, that the sun processes. And that procession they called the Platonic year in Greek uh, philosophers who noticed it and scientists, but it's been called many different things, but it's called the platonic year generally in science. So the platonic year is a reality. It's basically 26,000 years long. Now, why is that significant in relationship to our current time? Uh, December 21st, 2000, what was it, Betsy? Uh, December 21st, 2012. That was, when the that was the time when the, our solar system, imagine it again, though it is not, a plate. 
So imagining the solar system as a plate, imagining the galaxy as a plate, when our solar system, which goes up above that plate of the galaxy, comes back into the middle where it's in the exact same horizontal plane as our galaxy, and then goes below it. So our solar system, imagine this, it isn't exactly this way, but it's called the galactic center. So when our solar system is conjunct or exactly in the middle of the galactic center, not above, not below, and then it goes above, comes back to the middle about every 13,000 years, goes below, comes back to the middle every 13,000 years. So really a visit to this galactic center comes about, as, as we're saying, uh, every uh, 13,000 years. Well, these are very, very significant in, in evolution. But what we are talking about here is the galactic center and all the energy coming out from that imaginary plate, from that plane of that spiral nebula, coming into our solar system. When we're above it, it doesn't hit us directly. When we're below it, it doesn't hit us. But when we're in the middle, it hits us. And we are good at getting galactic bombardment. Ever since uh, 2012? Or... Correct. Okay, so... Our solar system... And of system. course, those who are listening, you would know this is the end of the Mayan long calendar. Correct. So every 26,000 years happens to be right on with us entering into the galactic center. Now, many things happen when you enter into the galactic center. Science and particularly astrophysics is going crazy because every day, literally every day, they're discovering something new, just like this planetoid, which they have now called um, A slash 2017 slash U1. I think that uh, is because it's uh, it's the first time it's ever happened, probably unrecognized direction. It's coming from a direction that nothing has ever come from before because in a spiral nebula, the concept of science is that everything is drawn into this. There shouldn't be anything coming in from anything above or below per se, unless it's coming from interstellar space. And if you have a chunk of a planet coming from interstellar space, that means that planet can't be that far away in that it could come from there and enter into our solar system from an oblique 90 degree angle, come zooming by uh, Venus, come within the orbit of uh, Mercury uh, and then come near the Earth and then dip down below our solar system and then shoot out above our solar system, kind of making what you'd see again as like a, a 90, boomerang. A boomerang, like a 90 degree angle boomerang that comes in, comes very near us. And well, and that was in October that this occurred, right? Uh, the planet coming by Earth? Yes. And no, uh, well, that's yes, but notice they didn't tell us then. No, I mean they only it was told like, us a few days ago. Yes, I, I saw the article and I was like, "Well, how did I miss this? This was Nibiru." Well, this is how we missed it. They didn't want to admit that this blows all of their theories. Oh, and Wikipedia would have to change its page. <laughs> yes, Wikipedia World, which is a world virtual world of reality that is not our reality because it changes all the time and it's written by conservatives. I mean, written by very, very liberal people. So this had to, this changed them. Never before has an interstellar body ever come in like this. Not even a comet. Comets come from the uh, Oort rings, and they come in, they go out, they have periodicity. Asteroids usually come from the asteroid belt and fall towards the Earth. But sometimes, and within the last 10 years, we have seen an extraordinary phenomena that asteroids come out of nowhere. Scientists do not see them coming. They were not recognized and recorded near-Earth objects. And they come zooming, two of them have come zooming by our planet within the orbit of the moon, two of them, and another couple just on the outside orbit of the moon. So we have seen asteroids come out of nowhere, which blows their whole theory, because they say, well, we were blinded by the sun and we couldn't see them. No, those asteroids came out of the sun. That's what they don't understand. The sun is an engine and it sometimes kicks out refuse material through coronal holes. Uh, th this is yet to be observed because they've never conceived of it, so they've never looked for it, but they'll see it someday. But when you follow the path back of these asteroids, they go straight to the sun. So this asteroid, if we want to call it that, they're calling it a planetoid, came out of nowhere, interstellar space. No, incorrect. It came from the exact direction that since 1870, 
scientists said, is the direction that we are in an ion tube that connects us directly to the Pleiades. And inside of that ion tube, all kinds of strange gravitational forces exist, and this would explain why a chunk of a planet that is circling around one of the stars, uh, the Pleiades, the major star is um, Alcyon. So let's just say a planet around Alcyon you know, exploded, and then it took quite a bit of time, but that planetoid got to us, because it doesn't explain, no one can explain how an interstellar object like this would have had the force to come here. Where did it come from? But when they look back on it, they go, oops, I guess we better go back to that ancient theory in 1870, where they said we are part of the Pleiades. Now, if that's the case, they look close, well, they already knew this, but now, actually, science is focused on this right now, and they found that this strange ion tube that connects us to the Pleiades makes us come into that tube so we're in a direct ionic connection with the Pleiades every 26,000 years. So there it, again, there it is again. The Platonic year happens to bring us around to exposure to what you'd call a channel to our real star cluster home because that's our home. And it's so strange that many spiritual people have said this, many ancient people have said it in their writings, and now the scientists are acting like they always knew this, and even NASA is coming out and saying, well, of course, we've always known that we're part of the Pleiades. Well, because many of our listeners um, do have an understanding of spiritual science, um, how would you explain this in those terms? Well, let's not go there yet, but I will. Please remind me to go back to giving a spiritual interpretation of this. Let's just do a little bit more digging here. All right. Okay. Uh, the site that you told us about, what's it called? Something Observers. Um, curi um, a beautiful know. site that you're posting. I'll start again. About that. Go ahead. I'd just like to say that the site uh, that you're posting, Betsy, along with uh, this audio um, podcast is excellent. It's one of the best on solar weather and the way that that affects the earth. But also at the bottom, they have the six points about why climate change is not true. And that is one of the best videos I've ever seen on the topic. I agree with every single word that I have heard on that site. And that's very rare for me to agree with people who are talking astrophysics because there's so much confusion. But one thing they pointed out is that in our own solar system, they didn't mention that it happened since we uh, crossed the galactic center. But since we crossed the galactic center, we have Uranus is creating its own poles and creating uh, new weather at its poles that are demonstrating that they're getting a magnetic field. In other words, they're taking on an atmosphere. The moon has taken on an atmosphere of argon 25 and it's actually beginning to take on gravity. And now they're, that's the reason they spent the last few years mapping the gravity fields of the Earth, of the moon. The Earth's gravity field has decreased 10 times faster in the last five years than in the last 150 years. Our gravity field is actually collapsing. In the la we have lost 17% of our gravity fields in the last 150 years. Our pole, our North Pole, people might not know this, but our magnetic North Pole is not the same as our North Pole. And since the 1830s, it was down near Hudson Bay, and now it's gone all the way across. It's actually right next to the physical North Pole, and it's quickly moving beyond it at, at a pace that is um, about five times, well, it's actually an exponential pace. I, I, I can't explain it, it mathematically. Let's just say that it's moving so fast that we have never in history, human history, seen it move so fast. It's now headed towards Russia. And the South Pole, the magnetic South Pole, is no longer in the middle of the landmass of Antarctica. It has moved completely off shore of Antarctica. It is now in the ocean and it's moving quickly and quicker than we've ever seen in history. And it's moving towards the North Pole. So the North Pole and the South Pole right now are racing towards each other faster than we've ever seen well, in history. Well, what does that mean for the average person? Well, the sun, I mean, this is not an, this, anything I'm saying is not average. For instance, what human being, sorry, I'm going to shock some of you, but Nothing on the earth is alive 
without the blessing of the sun. You are the product of the sun. Everything on the earth is the product of the sun, and even your soul and spirit, in my opinion. But let's just say physically. So if you do not give thanks to the sun every day, then you're not very intelligent. You don't really know where your life comes from, and you don't appreciate what you are, who you are, or where you're going. If you follow the sun's patterns, you'll follow also the fact that uh, climate change nonsense, which we now know since Trump came to power as the president, all that climate change nonsense, we now see that those statistics were manipulated and false. Now, it's not to say that we're not warming up. And as a matter of fact, we did warm up and we peaked and now we're cooling off. And in 2013-14, we had the coldest winter and now we are deeply going into a cold. The Antarctic has more ice than ever in human history that we have ever recorded. The Arctic now is back to its normal uh, ice uh, coverage. As you know, it melts and then gains back and that is back to normal. And so the whole myth of CO2 heating the earth is nonsense. All weather patterns on the earth and all which come from ocean temperatures, well, most of them come from ocean temperatures and atmospheric effects, which all come from the sun. And so when the sun goes into a solar minimum, every about every 11 years, every 22 years, there are cycles called solar uh, minimums and solar maximums. Solar minimum is when there's very few black holes, uh, uh, not black holes, uh, sunspots on the sun, which are, they look like black holes, but they're not. Uh, and then uh, solar flares and coronal mass ejections and uh, uh, coronal holes. We are supposed to be moving towards a 22 year long minimum. When the sun goes into a minimum stage, then we get colder on the earth generally, but when it goes into its maunder stages, about every 400 years, we go into a super cold period. We are headed into a super cold period. We're actually going to go back into a mini ice age like back in the 1500s. And this is well known by any scientist doing any long-term studies, looking at uh, beach embankments, solar rings or solar flares, or the records we have on solar prominences and all these things with the sun. It's all about the sun. And anybody who's talking about CO2 knows nothing about the atmosphere of the earth. We need CO2, it's a blessing. We actually need, at this moment, we need more CO2. Even man-made CO2 warming at this point may delay a little bit some of the advance of the ice age, but ice age, many ice ages are determined by the temperature of the nine ocean currents, which are determined by salination, which is determined by electro currents that are actually an interaction between the atmosphere and the earth, which some will tell you is that that frequency is named the Schumann wave. There is much confusion surrounding the Schumann wave. And the reason is, is because people don't look deep enough when they look. Yes, it is true that the Schumann wave is usually around 7.83 hertz or vibrations per second. That's the same frequency of the human heart. Isn't that a coincidence? As the globe is spinning and the atmosphere is not moving as quick as the globe is spinning, there's friction. That's one way to look at this. And it creates like the sound of a whirring ball. You know, it, it's the same kind of effect. There's a resonance that happens. Well, where's the resonance going to be in balance? It's going to be in balance at the equator. Where's it not going to be in balance? At the poles. So the human wave can vary from 7.83 generally all the way up to 25 or more. And as of late, people have been using NASA's own statistics and own uh, data to show that the human wave has gone into incredible fluctuations a number of times in the near recent past, uh, literally within the last year, that people are getting so alarmed they think this is a big sign. Okay, well, I'm going to keep on going with the big signs. So you also have in Saturn, the red spot got small and another one got big and a six-pointed, a six-sided six uh, hexagon appeared atop of, uh, atop of Jupiter. So you have fantastic storms happening on Jupiter. You have Jupiter's planets doing things like sending ice streams out into space. Uh, you have one planet circling Jupiter that for quite some time, a gigantic ion stream, like a cord, came off of Jupiter and went out to this planet. 
all the planets around Jupiter are doing amazing, strange things. And all these things you say, I have seen myself as articles on oh. the internet. So if you don't believe what Thomas is saying, just Google it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the periodicity of Saturn is it comes around the sun to the same place every 30 years. And so there's this gigantic storm that happens every 30 years. Well, this time it came back 10 years early before it returned to its position. So we already have this gigantic storm happening on Saturn that is literally unheard of 10 years early. We have almost, uh, we have storms on Venus. We have uh, amazing storm bands on Venus that are now permanent, okay? So entire atmospheres are being created because of the geomagnetic effects at the poles of these planets in our solar system. The solar system itself, if you look at the edge of the solar system, it's emitting more radiation and more, uh, basically, light. Uh, so it's more radiant on its edges. You have all these bizarre things happening, and, and, and everywhere you turn, you're finding scientists discovering new things about our own little solar system, let alone the other things I'll mention perhaps in a minute that they're discovering. For instance, that we belong to the star cluster of Pleiades. That, I love it when science, they rediscover something that's been known for a long time, and then they play like they knew it all along. So all you have to do is look into this, and they'll actually literally state, oh, it's a fact. Our sun is part of the cluster of Pleiades. They won't go into this ionic tube I described, nor the cycle. They won't go into telling you about the galactic center. They won't go into telling you about anything beyond the 11 and 22 year cycles of the sun, the 400 year cycles, the 1200 year cycles. But if you follow those cycles and you can, it goes all the way back that you can prove this stuff with hard data very, very clearly. So about two years ago, the sun's, well, let me say this, the sun changes its poles on a regular basis. North goes to south, south goes to north. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the way that it is. It usually happens every 11 years or so, but it's it has a very odd cycle no one can figure out, sometimes every 22 years, uh, and sometimes not even then. Well, two years ago, it started that, and the North Pole moved to the South, but it stayed there, and the South Pole did not move to the North, and it stayed there for some time. Scientists never tell you any of this because it would freak you out, okay? It would totally freak you out. So when you read... Nibiru has returned. Well, it's all it, that's basically partially true. A part, perhaps, a chunk of Nibiru has returned to show us that Nibiru could return, or or that uh, that the poles are going to shift. The poles have shifted repeatedly, folks. Paleomagnetism. Look it up. The shifting plates of the Earth have moved repeatedly, and the magnetic imprint of that particular position where the magnetic north pole was for, and where the axis actually shifted. So when we can say the physical north and south pole has shifted multiple times, but through paleomagnetism, they can look at the metallic particles in slate and other things, other stone, and they can actually show all the times that we have changed. We've changed before. We're not coming to a pole change, but we are coming to something big. So what happened with the sun? If it happens in the sun, it's going to affect the earth. So the North Pole came to the South Pole and stayed there for some months. As a matter of fact, you get so little information on this that they basically scrubbed a lot of the reports of this because it would freak people out. Because if you look at the North Pole on the Earth, the magnetic North Pole, it's coming to meet the magnetic South Pole on the Earth. It, we're having a pole change. We are in a pole change right now. Well, I have seen a few things, glimmers here and there, where people are bringing this to the surface, but then I'm not a scientist, so I don't really know if what I'm reading is truth. They have mapped all of the magnetic and, uh, and uh, gravity pools on the Earth, and they know where the two weak points are. They know that this is happening. They're watching it closely. They even predict where the new magnetic North Pole will be. If this is the case, we're talking about a shift <laughs> that would be quite big. Now remember, the shifts that have happened with paleomagnetism happened very, very quickly. Now, that can't happen from Earth forces, terrestrial forces. It can only happen by cosmic forces. That would be planetary forces in the solar system and the sun. The sun is the key to it all. And the discoveries that have been found show that we are so directly linked to the sun. Make sure I address magnetic ropes to the sun because that's a new discovery, amazing. Anyway, the point is, is that we are mimicking the sun. So the sun went through a long period of 
changing its poles this time. It went into a solar minimum, a 22-year-long solar minimum. And the strange thing is the timing was all off. It didn't go in on time. It didn't come out on time. And when it was in a minimum, it, it, was, it was tough to get it into the minimum. And then when I get it into the minimum, some of the largest solar flares that we've ever seen in history happened. Now, that is the opposite of what a minimum is supposed to be. So we are seeing patterns with the sun we've never seen before. We have seen coronal holes that are so large that, thank heavens, they didn't come at the Earth when they were discharged in those cosmic rays, uh, X-ray gamma rays, all the rays coming from the sun from coronal holes, can harm us. And recently, if you look on this site, we'll be in the description box. Go in and look at those videos. Get yourself educated on this. Uh, you're not going to become a sun worshiper, but just because of sheer logic, you better realize who the sun is, and then you won't believe the silliness about the climate change that comes by human uh, environmental contamination. That's complete nonsense. The sun can change its magnetic poles and then change the entire ocean currents. That can change the weather. That can change even the spin of the earth. The earth has variations in its spin. You've probably heard that as a conspiracy. That is not a conspiracy. It relates to the sun. The magnetosphere of the earth is collapsing. You've probably heard that. That's not a myth. That is not a conspiracy. That is true. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. Because that's the key factor that we should be looking at is the health of the magnetic sphere around the earth and the way that that is connected to the sun. And that is what science is doing. They're finding out more things now than they ever knew before. And basically everything they ever knew before not only pales, it's a pathetic, pathetic, animistic, a completely misunderstood interpretation of what they think they're seeing. And so when a planetoid comes from the direction of the Pleiades, it gets them very upset. It means that, you know, they imagine this could be possible, you know, that in a billion years, you know, something from 400 light years away could actually reach us. They don't understand. Inside of a continuum, light moves faster than what we consider the frontal motion of the speed of light. This has now been proven. We've accelerated light faster than the speed of light in lasers. Almost anything that anybody wants to tell you is a scientific concept from the past has now become obsolete. You know, well, you have always talked about the magnetic ropes as you were describing this to me. Is this a, an appropriate time to talk about the magnetic ropes? I think. Uh, well, Betsy, do you? am I making it clear that this event that I'm literally saying could be a chunk of Nibiru returning? Yes. And yes, in the past, say 13,000. This could be the interim period. This could be the 13,000-year period between the 26,000, and we're seeing uh, chunks of the planet that basically have just become asteroids returning through that ionic tunnel or tube, they call it. Let me tell you what here... I hear that we've lost most people long ago. So the people that are remaining on listening to this audio want you to take them on a crazy ride and tell them what scientists are missing. Uh, imagine that you're talking to the scientists out there who stayed this long. Okay, well, if you are leaving now, go to Google and, and, and type in true motion of the solar system. And you will then find pictures that will show you that everything you've ever been taught about the motion of the solar system is completely nonsense. Well, I'll have a description. In the description box, I'll put a link to a video that does that. Or watch the first video uh -huh. that, uh, on the page that is mentioned in the box below, and you will see an explanation of that, a really good explanation of it. You need to get caught up with science. Science doesn't reach the textbooks anymore. Yeah, the textbooks are complete nonsense. When the globalists got a hold of our school system, they stopped teaching real science. Oh, they well, they can't keep up, first off. And there is no body, there is no collective consciousness that takes the discoveries of science and synthesizes them so that they can actually create bridges between their disciplines. Because we become so specialized, we can't see the big picture. We can't see the forest for the trees. And so when you go to the site, I'm telling you this is the best site that I have ever seen on these topics because it's it's caught up to date. But anyway, the real motion of the solar system 
is because the sun has magnetic ropes that reach out to all of its planetoids and pull it behind it. Now that is not what we've ever been told and it's now been proven. Matter of fact, the new science of what you would call solar magnetism and the way that it affects the earth is one of the fastest growing science, uh, sciences, uh, areas of science there is. As a matter of fact, they put, I think four or five satellites into orbit because now they were looking up and they started seeing these bursts of uh, light and then they examined them and they were highly magnetic and supercharged and it was as if a door to another dimension was opening a parallel universe perhaps and so they speculated on all of this and this was first uh well, excuse me it was first noticed from uh the space uh lab it was noticed from space that these uh what are called magnetic transfer flux points and what they are is what they are is is, I don't think that's quite good English. I don't think the people listening right now care. Okay, what those magnetic flux points are, are places where the magnetic ropes from the sun and all around the earth that are different than the Van Allen belts, they have now mapped out the most amazing pathways. It looks like clusters of threads that flow through patterns, the same exact patterns you will find now through fMRI mapping of the human brain. Isn't that amazing? Literally exactly the same patterns. Yes. And they change all the time. Yes. And these flux points allow this astounding thing to happen at those flux points. They can't explain this, but the magnetic sphere of the Earth becomes directly connected to the sun. And these streamers, these cords, these bundles of cords stream to the sun and make these amazing patterns and they're basically pulling us and feeding our magnetic sphere around the earth. But also they have found what Rudolf Steiner said would be found, which is a cord that directly connects the earth to the sun. It comes off the North Pole. It has five streams inside of it and it's a bundle. It's like a rope, they call it, a magnetic rope and it spins. It looks just pretty much like DNA, except with instead of two bands, four bands and it goes all the way to the sun. And they've now found that this is true for all the planets. And so this cord, this what is in the mystery schools called the cable toe of the sun is pulling us behind it. And so the magnetic energy coming in to the earth directly from the sun is how elements turn into what we have as oxygen, how O3 and O2 turn into H2O and how helium and hydrogen actually are transformed. It all happens at the pole because of the magnetic sphere that's created there because of basically cold plasma, you would call it. And these cold plasma ropes now, and, and this was all predicted back in the ancient time of the Indians when they talked about the tattvas. They talked about the tattvas had 20 minute cycles that roll across the earth that meet at the equator and go to the poles and they start where the sun rises and wherever the sun rises, these tubes, and now they call them uh, plasma tubes, roll across the earth every 20 minutes uh, in front of the sun. So as the sun is awakening the dawn of the earth every, you know, as it goes around, as we spin around, it looks like, you know, the dawn is coming in different places of the earth. At that moment, these plasma tubes just light up with so much magnetism that that is basically what creates life on earth. Okay, we never knew this before, and now they talk about it like everybody should know about it, and I doubt that there's 10 people who are not scientists, like, like myself, who even know that these things exist, because it's happening so fast. So, since we met the galactic center, everything has lit up. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Not only that, but because human consciousness is directly related to the solar system and the zodiac, basically the star systems that we live in, the, the universe we live in, and all the galaxies, we are directly connected to all of it through resonance, through what you would call electricity. And so when it lit up for all of the planets and the earth, and I, I could go on and on, I literally could give you a hundred more instances how in the last dec decade, everything has accelerated that has been measured by the scientists. Now of course, I'll share a little something with our listeners. Uh, Thomas and I knew about this and and how this energy would be changing. So on December 21st, 2012, 
we said, where do we need to be energetically to be at the peak awareness of what was happening? So we traveled up within inside the aurora borealis and that so connects with what you're saying about the magnetic ropes and being connected to the sun and you mentioned rudolf steiner and i know you like really know all about the ethers by the way people i'll put a link to the ethers in the description to so you can uh, explore that but what say you what was happening then as we crossed the threshold the end of the Mayan long calendar, there we are under the Aurora Borealis. Well, you want to get all spiritual, Betsy? Well, if you've stayed on this long, you probably want to go the whole way. If not, you can just drop off. Electricity and statoelectricity is the basis of everything in the universe. They now know that the universe is electric. And many of the things that they have observed cannot be explained by their silly theories, especially like gravity, because now they found gravity, gravity waves. They, you know, everything that they thought existed, dark matter, oh no, in the last year, dark matter has been completely debunked. CERN has been completely ridiculed, and they absolutely laugh at the attempts to discover dark matter. There is no dark matter. There are many theories now that do not require such things, such silliness. It's an electric universe. We are electric, bioelectric. If you look at the channels and the flowing through the human body, they're basically the same channels and flowing that are happening in the earth, which are happening in the universe. It's one and the same. The frequency 7.83 goes throughout the entire universe. It's the thing that holds it all together. So when you go to sleep at night, you actually, because of the spin of the earth and because you're dizzy, you go straight to the heart of the earth. And from there you go due north, if you're conscious, to the North Pole. And within the ring, of the aurora borealis, not the aurora australis, only the north. That is how everyone, even in the south, they, everyone goes out through that ring. That is where there is sacred holy energy that then can connect you to the other planets safely through these ropes that I'm talking about and through all the magnetic interactions that happen as the planets relate to one another because all of those planets and their electrical energy is they change places all the time and they're dynamic, that's happening in you. Those are your organs. The planets are your organs. Your heart is the sun. And your brain is the starry sky. And it's kind of, uh, the the whole head is like, you know, what is it? It's the globe of the whole zodiac. So when you go out the north, if you had good thinking, feeling, and willing, you actually light up the aurora borealis on your way. You carry with you the ionized particles that you have digested and transformed during the day, and you offer them basically to the other electric beings above you who are much higher than you, you could say, at higher frequencies than you. So this is real simple reality, and this is a fact. All you have to do is look at, for instance, only 10 years ago they didn't know that in the middle of every galaxy is a supermassive black hole or an ion jet. These ion jets are amazing. If you haven't ever looked at this, you should look at this. It will blow your mind because you, you've probably never been taught this. But even in our own uh, galaxy, there's a supermassive black hole. But it goes through transformation changes and stages and the black hole becomes an ion jet and an ion jet becomes a black hole. That's the way that it works. The black hole swallows billions of suns. The ion jet spins out billions of suns. Did they ever tell you that? That right before our eyes in many galaxies, we are seeing billions of suns spun out of the middle of the same spot that usually in, in its other stage is a black hole. So between black hole and ion jet, that's the dynamic that we should be looking at. And that's basically the, the dynamic of the core of the earth and going out through the, through the North Pole. So it is sacred. That is the sacred land. That is Shambhala. That is Mount Meru. That is New Jerusalem. The Aurora Borealis didn't even become active until humans had consciousness that at night when they went out through that portal that they brought consciousness with them and began to make light it up. What lights up the Aurora Borealis are carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, and uh, what did I say? Carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, and hydrogen, as well as some sulfur and some phosphorus. But those are the same thing as hydrogen in this 
way of looking at it. So when we transform those through our thinking, feeling, and willing, and through our good heart, those energies leave with us as we go into the cosmos. We go into the cosmos every night, and as we go through the realm of the spheres, we're actually going through our own realms of our own seven stages of our consciousness. And this is all explained in the work of Rudolf Steiner in Anthroposophy and in the work of Neo-Anthroposophy and by the Theosophists. And, and basically those are a synthesis of all world religions, science, and art. And when you get art involved in the picture and you realize that the ancients always said that the earth is connected to the sun, by a rope. Well, had you started from that premise, you probably would have found the rope a lot earlier. Had you started from the premise that we are ensheathed in a continuum behind the sun, moving 3.1 kilometers, 3.1 million kilometers an hour. That is how fast we're moving with the sun through our own solar system as we aim towards the star Vega, as we also account for the movement of the solar system and the movement of the galaxy, we are going basically over a million miles an hour, folks. But it seems like we're standing still. We are a vibration. We are not a physical body. We have to be a frequency to be able to even withstand the electrical potential that's happening on the earth, the Schumann wave included. If your heart is no longer at 7.83, folks, you are ill. That's a fact. So... That's how much these vibrations and electrical resonances affect the human heart right here in the here and now. But Thomas, can you go back to December 21st, 2012, and, and what was happening then? You mean when the solar system crossed the galactic center? Yes. You mean spiritually and, what yes, was happening? Yes, and, and being in the aurora borealis and connecting in that moment. People all over the world at that moment were meditating, and they were... And, and I think people need to know that there was something very substantial behind this event. Well, Betsy... Okay, You all didn't right. tell the part that we were in a hot springs, and we were within the ring, we were within the Arctic Circle. That's what I was saying. And we could look down the mountain and see the, nor uh, the city that is literally the Alaskan city, we went right by it, the North Pole. <laughs> so what we did is we said, oh, we are going to help the spiritual beings, and we're going to consciously go into the realm of the sacred island, and that island is above us, it's an etheric realm. So we went there, we went up on a mountain, and it was 60 degrees below zero. We'd take uh, boiling hot water, throw it in the air, and turn to snow. But above us would come the Aurora Borealis. Now, now, as you know, you and I mm -hmm. have witnessed Aurora Borealis in some extraordinary circumstances. But I was up there, and I was so amazed to notice that every single grown man, at the minute that the ring came and started to get very, very active over us, started to cry. People cry. Some people believe that if you are looking at the Aurora Borealis, you have more chances of getting pregnant. So there's whole Cultures. races of people yes. who go mm -hmm. up to the north to try to get pregnant. That's because the spiritual beings who are ready to come in, hang out at the North Pole. They come in at, on January the 1st, the souls who want to incarnate, and they're there at the North Pole interacting with us as we go out through the North Pole to go into the spiritual world. They're there at that threshold. And if you go up there, it's said that you might be able to connect with them better and then you'd have a child. But it's a fact, the historic thing. That's all real. You just got to turn the images into what we would call scientific images, which is really just scientific materialism that is a new theory, which is a new myth, which is always transplanted at least every hundred years for every theory modern materialistic scientists have ever come up with. They've all been transplanted oh. in that last hundred years. I'm so sorry that I took you so far off the track, but I thought maybe we should just uh, share with our listeners that we actually do the things that we are saying and believe in here. Now, I we, used to live up there. I, I, right. Yeah, well, that's another story, too. Um, now, let's go back. Because in closing, is there anything that you'd like to go back to with the scientific community uh, if they're still here listening? Well, scientists, every time somebody says, uh, scientists believe, scientists believe, you need to stop, Google it, because the scientists don't believe that no more unless you just got it hot off the press. And we're talking uh, two days ago, all of our theories of interstellar travel were completely dashed. 
Remember when we discovered the G-ring on Saturn when our first uh, probe got there and all of gravity theory had to be thrown out? And then we've just now discovered by watching it in space, uh, uh, gravitons, as Einstein would predict. But as Einstein had predicted, we would find. So what I'm saying is you have to keep an open mind. Now, if you want me to go far afield, I need to take the next step. Do you think people are ready? Why don't we save it for the next audio? I think they're ready. (laughs) Okay. Solar rays, you are told, eat up your body. And gamma rays and x-rays and all all these cosmic rays eat you up and kill you. That's why we have an atmosphere to basically protect us. It's kind of like a mirror in some cases. It's kind of like a sponge in other cases. And we've been bombarding that atmosphere with harp and other much worse devices, which I won't even get into. But the point is, if you try to heat up your atmosphere and change the temperature of your atmosphere with electronic devices, uh, electromagnetic Uh, extremely low frequency, all the way up to microwave and higher, we're bombarding them as experimentation to see if we can light it up. Okay, that makes no sense. Those people are stupid. They need to stop. And it's military driven. They want to light it up so that when the missiles ever get launched, they might be able to light up the atmosphere so they can blow up all the missiles at once. Okay, great idea. Stupid. Just stop the missiles. But anyway, The point is, we have changed our atmosphere by launching missiles into space. Every time we launch a a, a solid or liquid fuel uh, missile, a rocket into space, we put a hole in our atmosphere. We've also blown up barium bombs over the Antarctic. That's where the first gigantic hole in the uh, ozone came from, and they admit this. They've done this in Hawaii repeatedly. There's holes in the ozone there. So they experiment with our atmosphere. It's crazy. They also put chemtrails. Chemtrails, strangely enough, I'm sorry to have to say this, but some of the chemtrails, they are flecks of metal that become lighter than air once they reach a cold atmosphere. And then as they go through the atmosphere, it gets cold, 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 hot, 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 cold, 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 hot, 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 super hot, super hot, super hot. Nothing can withstand it. And then even hotter than that. Thomas is raising his arm upwards. 5,000 degrees. And they tell us that we've launched, you know, we we went to the moon. High in the atmosphere. You know, we went through 5,000 degree Fahrenheit. Somehow we got through. Anyway, we won't go into that. That's for another day. The point is we're messing with all of those things, but now we know that that atmosphere is controlled by our magnetosphere, our magnetosphere, okay? And that is controlled by the sun, and that is controlled by the rope that comes in at the North Pole with those five separate ropes, which then take five times to roll across the Earth from the equator to the North Pole and then a a mirror image. And so people in the South, I'm sorry, but the Aurora Australia's, is a mirror image. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's the north, okay? And I'm sorry for all of you people in the southern hemisphere because you have a completely different experience than the people in the northern hemisphere. And you have completely different uh, effects of the ethers on you. But anyway, these plasma tubes roll across. And so all this is well known. So we are in the womb of the mother. The son is not a man. The son is a woman. And we are her children. And we are in her womb. We are in a magnetic womb. And when we make her happy is when our halo, the Earth's halo, the Aurora Borealis, lights up because people's good thinking, feeling, and willing literally transforms elements into what can then be used as the basis of the earth becoming a star. Because the sad news is, I have to tell you, that as they say, 4.5 million years from now, our sun will blink out. No, that's, that's not right. But the sun will become a planet, and the sun will no longer do what it does as the earth begins to do it itself, for itself. Human beings are a sun. We are not a moon. We, we seem like a planetoid right now, but we will become a sun, and each one of us will give out rays of love and warmth and nourishment. So from the sun, there are rays that no, the science does not recognize. They're ethers, the higher ethers, the higher ether of vibration or sound, and then the higher ether of life. And those two, as the atmosphere gets thinned out, two things happen. Very negative rays come in and strip the human body until it is just nothing but a skeleton. But on the way to that, it destroys the bonds of the DNA so that it can then transform itself. 
The future is through mutated DNA caused by our own atmosphere becoming weaker and human beings becoming stronger and able to receive the higher ethers from the sun and to be able to reject the lower cosmic rays that created material form. So as humans ascend, they will simply go into the atmosphere and directly receive their nourishment from the sun, what would be called uh, nectar and ambrosia, which I'm calling life, uh, sound ether and life ether, which Rudolf Steiner and the ancients and Vox Mut and uh, you know, all these other people uh, with ether theories. If you don't know about the ethers, you certainly, if you're interested in them, look at that book, The Ethers, A New Theory of Everything. Because every new theory... Every new theory that I know of that is comprehensive includes ethers. And remember, Einstein's theories of general relativity assumed an a priori existence of the luminiferous ether. And if you don't know that, you should go back and look that up. So Einstein's theory of light, which the whole general relativity is based on, which is incorrect, by the way, is based upon the fact that there's a medium that light is carried through. And that medium is called luminiferous or light-bearing ether. And this is in all the good theories. So CERN is a joke. Higgs boson, a joke. He needs to give back the Nobel Peace Prize he got from that. Matter of fact, they demanded it back because they found out it was all fake. CERN is fake. They only have one collider there, not two other large ones. And just recently, they found out that all the research, just in the last few months, all the research on dark matter that CERN said they were leading the world on is all fake. Their machines don't even work. The data is garbage, exactly as NASA looked at the, at the garbage data, and they called it garbage data that came from the, uh, the Hadron Large Collider there in CERN. They said that this is all fake, and, and that's I'll, what it is. We've written about that in our citizen intelligence reports, and I know you could talk a lot about that, so I'll just put some links down in the description box. So let me make this break this down, okay? Human beings are going through the same thing the solar system's going through. We are one and the same with the solar system, including the sun. So as the whole solar system lights up, as things rocket in from the Pleiades, and we then start to awaken to the fact that we have older brothers and sisters in consciousness who are on stars that move 10 times faster than we do. That's why they're more evolved than we are. We're in the same system with those. They want to teach us. We'd probably call them angels. You could call them higher uh, electronic forces. Uh, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. It's consciousness. Your consciousness goes all the way to the Pleiades. It goes anywhere you can take it, to the, all, to the 200 billion galaxies in the universe. There's 200 billion cells in your brain. The universe is the brain of a conscious electronic electrical, not electronic, elect electrical being. And that's what makes every atom work. And in every atom is a little bla a black hole and a little ion jet. That's the reason it works. That's how your heart works. That's how love works. That's how men and women work. That's how the earth goes round. The earth goes round. Don't believe anything they tell you unless it is something similar to this. The earth goes round because the dark side of the earth longs for the warmth of the sun. Just like a plant goes towards the sun, and they call that heliotropism. We call this planetary tropism. And so it's the longing of the earth for becoming a sun that causes the earth to rotate in the exact speed that creates the Schumann wave that then links 7.83 in our heart to the entire forces of the universe. There's nowhere that we've observed in the universe that our consciousness is not there. That's the point. Consciousness is not limited by space and time. So these things we're talking about in the future, things change. We need to change. We need to rise up off the earth, leave the material world behind. I'm talking in thousands of years. Uh, and after many changes, and right. after we're the human body changes. We're not talking about a spaceship no, and all no, that kind of stuff. That's why these confusions happen. Right. They think a spaceship's coming well, they, to pick them up. Keep... There is. There's a mothership coming for them. It's called the sun. Right. But you know, people don't have the spiritual vision. They've lost it through this world we live in of extreme materialism. They only see the things that they can see and touch. Yes. So science is good for some really great things. They make things, but then we should decide whether we should ever allow a human to have anything to do with those things, including the internet, including nuclear bombs, including barium bombs that explode in the ozone. 
we need to stop science advancing without consciousness. And then we need to look at science and we need to create a synthesis of science so that then we can stand back and have conversations like we're having right now, Betsy, where we say, wait a second, are you saying then that if you change your consciousness, you change the solar system? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm saying one person can make the earth look like a new star to those angels or electrical beings above us. They love the spark. That's what it's all about. And so as we are realizing every single day new things, we need to be humble and we need to take a synthesis of these new discoveries and approach them with new icons so that we can see the living beingness of the manifestations that we call the forces of nature, but we should be calling the robe of Gaia, 